Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Let me tell you about my company, Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc. 727-541-1741. I have over 35 years' experience with classic, vintage, sport, and racing cars. I do appraisals, consulting, and pre-purchase inspections. Before you buy your next rare classic, the car of your dreams, give me a call at Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc. 727-541-1741. Also, due to my 28 years' experience in the auto salvage business, I am very good with wrecks. So if your car has been in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call me at 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for lost value of your repaired vehicle. That's Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc., 727-541-1741. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays, 7 to 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network, a.m. 1340. If you like golf, enjoy affordable golf at Magnolia Valley Golf Club, located on Massachusetts Avenue in Newport Ritchie. Play for as little as $15 after 2 p.m. The club has two beautiful courses to choose from, an 18-hole championship par 72 plus another nine-hole executive par 33. Join their open leagues on Wednesday afternoons at 4 and Sunday mornings at 8. Call 727-847-2342 for tee times or visit their website, magnoliavalleygolfclub.com. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. It's the car of a lifetime. It took him all year to build it. Now I'm going to drive that thing right up to General Motors' front door. One night to lose it. Hey, that's my car! You stole my car! And the whole summer to get it back. MGM presents Corvette Summer. Somebody stole my stingray. The word's out. It's in Vegas. You got a Corvette? Starring Mark Hamill, who's back from Star Wars. Oh, yeah! And Annie Potts, who's out of this world. You're going to spend the night. Prende, amigo? If he knew as much about girls as he does about cars, Dad? he wouldn't be so nervous. You love them dead, sailor. Let me see what you got. Sure. And if she knew as much about cars as she does about boys, what do you drink? she wouldn't be so jealous. Motor oil? And if you knew as much as they know about this candy apple metal flake Corvette, you'd be chasing it too. I'm helping you, dope. I'm helping you find your car. You run up against a car thief, be liable to wind up at the bottom of Lake Mead. Keys into fast cars. Why don't you write a letter to the car? Dear car. She's in the black velvet. Beg your pardon? I leave. Wow! Together, they find love. You have no right to take me anywhere! Excitement. And danger. On the trail of a stolen Corvette. Stop this car! Stop it! I'm getting out! Oh, no, you're not! the time that separates the men from the boys. Corvette Summer. It's a terrific car. A fiberglass romance. You never know where I'm going to be next. Well, guess what? I'm at the 2012 Eric Jackson Scottsdale Auction. And it's live, and they're bidding. There are tons and tons and tons of people here. This is extremely exciting. A lot of people here. A lot of cars. Really neat stuff. So stick around. I'm going to bring you guys up to speed. Okay, welcome listeners, it is your host Robert, and welcome to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and yes, I was in Scottsdale, Arizona all last week, and let me tell you something, 
If there's one thing that everybody needs to put on their bucket list, you need to do the event. Normally, I go out there once every few years, and I might stay there, you know, Thursday, Friday, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or something like that. But this time, I went out there last Sunday, so I was there for virtually the whole week. And I've got to tell you, uh, between the six auctions that were taking place, you had uh, Bear Jackson, obviously, you had Russo and Steel, you had Bonhams, you had uh, Silvers, you had Gooding, and you had RM. There was tons and tons and tons and tons of cars. And also, they got a huge shopping center there off uh, Indian Bend Road, which is uh, just outside of, just to the east of Scottsdale. And there's a huge shopping center there. It's called uh, the Pavilions. And there was probably another, that was on Saturday. It's every Saturday, matter of fact. But this time of year, uh, you know, you got all the snowbirds down, and they just absolutely piled in the cars. There was easily a thousand to twelve hundred cars there and just anything and everything there was foreign there was domestic there was racing there was just cool stuff everything there and some really good buys there was a lot of cars there for sale not a ton of cars but a lot of cars not anything like the auction okay speaking of auctions this week starting yesterday is Meekum in Kissimmee and I have two sets of tickets possibly three sets that's pairs okay that's two okay to uh, one day passes to Meekum that I'm going to give off on the show, give out on the show tonight. All right. So if you call in and you're the fifth, the tenth, and the twelfth caller, that's the fifth, the tenth, and the twelfth caller. Uh, call in here. Okay. The number is seven two seven four four one three thousand. That's seven two seven four four one three thousand. I have tickets to Meekum Auto Auction this weekend in Kissimmee. So you got to call me. So we can get them out tomorrow so you can have them before the weekend. All right? So that's, again, call in 727-441-3000. And uh, you might get lucky. If you're the 5th, the 10th, and the 12th caller, you will win a set of tickets. These tickets are $15 each. That's $30 worth of tickets that three lucky guys are going to get and gals are going to get the win for the show. Okay. Hey, Lee, how you doing tonight? Fine, Robert. How you doing? Okay. Do they know what the number is? Did we Did we tell them? I just told them. Uh, I'll tell them again one more time. Okay. 727-441-3000. However, if you're in Arkansas, because we do have a radio station in Arkansas, and you are listening, it's, uh, I can't read the number. Is it 866-826-1340? Okay. Well, anyway, hey, for what it's worth, uh, if you're in Arkansas, I hope you're listening. Matter of fact, if somebody's in Arkansas, just for giggles, Call in and just say yay, nay. But we can tell by your accent. We can tell because we have caller ID, okay? So no scams, no shams. Anyway, hey, let's fire up that uh, jukebox real quick, and let's go to that first song. We'll be right back. Hang tight, guys.
Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radiant Cars. I'd like to tell you about a great place to eat right on the main part of Clearwater Beach. Located at 333 South Gulfview Boulevard. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill has two floors of food, drink, and fun. They have daily specials, happy hour, and nightly entertainment. Their menu caters to seafood lovers as well as land lovers. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill, 727-608-2065. They're open in the morning for breakfast until 1 a.m. So stop by and visit my friends, Turtle, Eddie, and Polly, and all the girls and staff at Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill. That's 727-608-2065. Mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you never know, you might get a free drink. That's Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill on Clearwater Beach, 727-608-2065. Okay, we're back, and you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your host, Robert. And again, we got some tickets, so I want to see those phones light up. Tickets to the Meekum Car Auction this weekend, the 5th, the 10th, and the 12th caller. Call in, 727-441-3000. That's 727-441-3000. And I have three sets of tickets for the lucky winners to go to Meekum this week, probably Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because you should get them by then. Okay, these are $30 worth of tickets. Okay, hey, let me bring you guys up to speed since I was out in Scottsdale all last week. And again, like I said before, I think everybody needs to attend that one time. If you want to see the monster of car shows and auctions and insane cars all over the place, I mean, this is probably the best show on earth. Matter of fact, I think one time I did do an interview with Craig Jackson, believe it or not, and I also, which I'll play later, not on this show, but another one, and I also did an interview with uh, Drew Alcazar of Russo and Steel, and Drew happens to be a good friend of mine and a Ford guy. Matter of fact, Craig Jackson is a Ford guy. He's got a really cool collection. And uh, But uh, Bill Jackson was billed as the greatest show on earth, and I gotta tell you, between Craig Jackson and back in the day, uh, Drew used to work for him as well in the mid-90s. Uh, they have taken that show to a new level. I mean, so that is the show of shows. That's the benchmark. In fact, that week sets the tone for the collector car industry for the whole year. So whatever happens to Barrett Jackson, and the numbers were absolutely staggering. Just to give you guys an example, in 2011, $160 million worth of cars were sold combined, okay, for all six auctions. And in 2012, okay, I just got the numbers in, $184.1 million between the six auction houses. Okay, so that's a $24 million dollar increase so what does that tell you yes and matter of fact there was less cars and some of the auctions but the numbers were higher so that's good news for all you car guys out there so hurry over to Meekum this weekend you never know you're probably going to get a good buy always on the uh tuesday wednesday thursday deals there's good buys sunday's good buys friday saturday big numbers big cars a lot of activity a lot of people bidding on cars to give you guys an example okay a 70 hemi car sold for one hundred and ten thousand. That's a seventy Cuda with an automatic in it. So a buck ten. That's not a bad price. Okay. You had uh, cars like they had the Ferrari three thirty GTC for all my foreign car listeners. Okay. You had a beautiful, stunning nineteen sixty seven three thirty GTC Ferrari, and we've talked about that a number of times because that's one of my favorite Ferraris. Matter of fact, when Alan sits in with us, it's kind of a cool car we talk about. Second only to the 250 GT Lusso, which is a 63-64 model car. But that car brought $390,000, an insane number. Shelby's, for example, were averaging over $125,000, $130,000. LS5 and LS6 Chevelles were bringing over, well, LS5s were under 100, 
LS6s were bringing, just creeping over $100,000. So, you know, the, the numbers are getting back up there, okay? The buy of the week was at Bonham's auction, there was a 67, 68 Shelby GT500 automatic car, okay? Not a real exciting car, Highland Green, good-looking car, stunning car, great car, uh, not an overly restored car, but just a nice car. That car cracked $65,000, and I think the guys at Bonham's be, were probably asleep, but you got to keep in mind, the people that go to Bonham's, RM, and Goodings are very, very high-end people. They're used to you know 507 BMWs, which sell for $990,000, or a Ferrari 365 GTB 4s, which sell around $900,000, or the California Spider, which brought $3.55 million. Amazing numbers. Uh, 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 let's see, what else was there? I mean, you go, Chevelle's and Camaros and Mustangs were all in the thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars range. If they were decent drivers, exceptionally clean cars, or just shy of seventy five, eighty thousand dollars. So that tells you that those cars and the market is extremely strong. There was a seventy W thirty Olds, Hurst Olds convertible automatic car, uh, his and her shifter dual gate cracked one hundred and some odd thousand dollars, which I was surprised to see. So it's definitely worthwhile. Everybody needs to go to the uh, Scottsdale event and and hit all the auctions. Uh, it was just absolutely amazing. At Barrett-Jackson alone, the gate was 270,000 people. That's just the people that participated at Westworld, which is where Barrett-Jackson is held. So that is really, really, really cool. Okay, this weekend, what do we got going on this weekend? Obviously, we got Meekum going on. And for all you guys that don't want to go to the auctions, the Devro Kaiser Show is it's this Sunday at the uh, Westfield Mall in Sarasota. That's off 441, just south of Clark Road. This is the Devro Kaiser Show. There's probably 1,500 cars there. It's free. No judging. If you want to sell something, you pay a $25 fee. You put your car in the corral, but just a ton of stuff. And for the ladies, if you bore with the guys in the cars, you got the mall. It opens at 10 o'clock. Go in there and knock yourselves out and spend, 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 because we guys are going to be talking about cars. Okay, hey, we got a super guest for you tonight. The guy that's coming on tonight, everybody knows him. A few weeks ago, we had Bob Barsha from Speed On. Well, we got another guy from Speed On tonight. You guys are going to really, really enjoy them. So let's go to a little commercial break. Let's get our guests on the line, and uh, we'll be right back.
us. He's gonna kill you and he's gonna kill me. He's gonna kill us. Hey man, just be glad I had fast reflexes. My brother's gonna sh Make up your mind, dude. Is he gonna sh Is he gonna kill us? First he's gonna sh Then he's gonna kill us. Relax. Alright? My old man is a television repairman. He's got this ultimate set of tools. I can fix it. You can't fix this car, Smokali. I can fix it. Okay, we are live, and you are tuned into Nostalgic Video for Cars, and it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening, okay? Let me tell you a little bit about this guy. He's been around for a while. I think you could call him gearhead extraordinaire. I mean, I thought I was a gearhead. Uh, uh, this guy's probably got me beat, okay? You will definitely recognize this guy. You've seen him on TV. He used to write for Hot Rod Magazine. He was on a couple of Hot Rod episodes. Uh, he's a very familiar face at Barrett Jackson. It gives me great pleasure to welcome to the show this evening, car guy extraordinaire, Steve Magnante. Steve, are you there? Yes, I am, Robert. Hey, glad to be on the show. How you doing? Well, things are good. Here in Massachusetts, it's about 28 degrees outside. Not quite the 68 it was in Scottsdale two days ago, but it's good to be home. <laughs> wow, that's great. That's great. Okay, well, hey, tell us a little, give us give our listeners a little background about you and how you got uh, how you got bitten by the car bug. Well, you know, funny thing, I was born in 1964, uh, same year that two very important things happened. The Ford Mustang, of course, make its big debut, and also the Chrysler 426 Hemi, two favorite things in, in my world. But by 1975, you know, I'm like, uh, oh, what, 11, 10 years old, 12 years old, whatever it is, and I'm realizing that all the cars that were made in the 60s, the GTOs, the Hemis, the, the big block Corvettes and stuff were gone. You know, my mom bought a new Dodge Colt at the Dodge dealership in 1974, and somehow I was aware that only three years earlier there might have been a six-pack or a Hemi on that same showroom floor, and it was a painful realization. Of course, you look around, Mustang Twos, you know, the whole cafe thing, OPEC, and it was a pretty dark time to uh, to awaken to uh, the, the world of high-performance cars. So I started looking backwards right away and uh, found a bunch of old super stock magazines and stuff that fueled my interest in the 60s and kind of grew from there, you know, matchbox cars, model cars, and then full-size cars as you get into the 80s with uh, some, some Hemi-powered Mopars and stuff that I had then. Well, hey, wait a minute. Now, in 1964, wasn't that the first year for the uh, big back-windowed uh, Barracuda, too? Was that 64? Well, that's, that's true. Yeah, it is true. You know, funny thing is, my core is, you know, I guess Chrysler products, although I love them all. Uh-huh. But for my two cents, a Ford Mustang 2 Plus 2, which, of course, was a mid-year introduction, you know, right. a 65 model, um, it's, it's a prettier car than Barracuda, although I do happen to own a 66 big glass Barracuda in my garage. Oh, really? Know? Yeah, I do. I did tell you too that I prefer it was a Mustang two plus two, but that's okay. I like. Well, let me ask you a question. I know you're into the altered thing, so did you uh, kind of move the wheel wells around a little bit, reposition the rear end in that thing? Well, you know, it's funny. Altered wheelbase cars, another one of my passions. This Barracuda, I bought with that in mind. But it's just too nice to do it to. You know, it's a, it's a two-owner car from Connecticut, and somehow it, ex it lived all these years without getting any rust. So it is a car that's a little too nice to slice into. So I changed my plans, and I, I'm, I'm doing a Dodge, uh, Dodge Dart instead, and also a Ford Fairmont altered wheelbase car. But, uh, but uh, yeah, altered wheelbase car is another one of my major uh, interests. You is, know, is, is your car Slant 6 or 273? Uh, well, the Barracuda, it's a 273 car. Yeah, okay. 273 two-barrel with a column-shifted automatic, if you can imagine. Mm. Uh, bucket seats um, and no no console. Kind of a strange combination. Uh, but again, it's pretty much original, no rust, and i got to leave it that way. I don't want to molest it, you know. <laughs> well, tell us about the 81 Le Car. Well, okay. Well, <laughs> you I, had to, I had to go but, uh, there. <laughs> well, I've got to say, my first car, see, my, I grew up in a household where my father was an optics, or he's basically a physicist, uh, optical physics was his thing, and he was also a professor of physics at uh, Clark University in Worcester, where I eventually went to school, and believe me, I did not take any physics classes. I was an English major, and I'm not particularly uh, mathematic, I barely add. So, <laughs> with that household, um, you know, we had a Renault Le Car, some Volkswagen bugs and just pretty boring cars. Nobody in my home was, was a car enthusiast except for me. So anyway, uh, my dad said, hey, Steve, no cars of your own until you're in college, because he didn't want me getting derailed, or so he thought, you know, <laughs> with, a, with a hot rod in high school and flunking out or whatever, you know. <laughs> but anyway, when I got out of, uh, uh, out of high school and just getting into college, my dad gave me my mom's old 81 Le Car, which, um, I mean, it got me around, but I'll say that any car with three lug nuts is not a car. 
<laughs> Unless it's a, is, there's Renault way I'll ever have Renault another one way. of those. <laughs> Unless it's an R5, though, right? You'd make exception for an R5? That'd right? be okay. Oh, yes. Yeah, one of those little, maybe a little rally car with the engine in the back, sure. But, yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a bit of a stretch between that and the production car, <laughs> you know. So then what? You moved into that Charger, right? So tell us a little bit about your Charger. Well, indeed. You know, I was I got out of college in 1986, and, uh, you know, my dad was pleased with that. I mean, I got through I had the 2.9 GPA. I was not a serious student, uh, but, you know, I knew enough to get through. I was an English major, took a lot of um, yeah, creative writing, a little bit of acting, public speaking, and shied away from computers and stuff. But anyway, graduated in 86 on schedule. My dad was happy with that. And uh, I don't know, I'd saved up some money and stuff. And at that point, 1986, 87, uh, the whole muscle car boom was kind of getting its real start. And I found out about a 68 Hemi Charger, an automatic car that had original numbers and stuff for 10000 bucks, which sounds like a lot of money. It kind of was, you know, uh, but it was something I thought, boy, I better get it now while I can. So I bought the car. And the car, it ran great. It was, it was basically a stock Hemi with, uh, with headers added, maybe a shift kit, because I could hold it in gear, a manual valve body, you know. Uh, but it was in primer, hadn't been painted yet. So I bought that car in, um, in 87 and uh, drove it around a lot, really enjoyed it, only in the summer, of course. And then sold it in 89 for, uh, what, for 16, 14,000 bucks. So I made a little bit of money on that, which uh, my dad was surprised at, because his attitude about cars was that they were from getting from point A to point B, period, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but it was fun to have that Hemi car. And I did sell it, you know, and I don't need to have it back. You know, it's one of those things where I really appreciate restored cars uh, and rare cars. But tell you what, you know, if you hurt something like that or, or damage it or get it wrecked, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a tragedy of sorts. So I kind of steer toward cars that are presentable but expendable in some ways. If you blow the engine up, you can build another one and don't have to worry about numbers matching. Although, you know, I certainly understand and appreciate numbers matching cars, but don't need one myself, you know. Well, now, how'd you get into the, uh, and then what'd you do? You ultimately, you said, hey, uh, enough of the cold and this and that, and you decide to uh, pack up your Valari wagon, Valari, and, uh, right. <laughs> and, and, and head out west, right? Indeed, yeah. I got out of college in, in 86, like I was saying. I was an English major, and if anybody from the East Coast remember, it was not a good time. There was a lot of, was a, sort of a recession on, and, you know, it was, it was a, you know, it was a, kind of a sour time, and the only jobs I could get... Um, that were, you know, white-collar, you know, befitting of a college grad, so to speak, whatever, uh, were things uh, retail, like at McDonald's, management trainee, and then your know, CVS pharmacies, manager trainee. These are the things that my, my university set me up with, interviews for these things. And I thought, boy, where's, you know, where's that real dream job? And, and I realized, boy, I guess I have to make this happen on my own. And that's, you know, awakening number one for, for people. You know, follow your, your passion if you can. Uh, it won't come to you. You have to chase it, you know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, by 1991, after... Doing some menial stuff around, you know, Massachusetts. I worked as a, a Rolls-Royce restoration guy, sandblasting frames in the snow, <laughs> okay. stuff like that. The, I was basically the grunt on the crew. Uh, in 91, I said, hey, I have nothing to lose. I'm going to drive to California, like you say, in my, my Valari wagon, loaded up all my magazines and stuff, and headed out there with the intention of staying for one year. As bad as it might be, I said, I'm going to stay for one year. Well, that turned into 16 years, and uh, it was, it was a, a nice, nice experience going out there to L.A. And uh, a busy place, you know, almost anywhere you are, there's going to be five people in front of you and five people behind you. <laughs> so, you know, you just got to keep moving around. It, it is pretty crowded, uh, but it was it was just a wonderful, wonderful chapter of life, really, to go out there and, and realize so many dreams. Well, now, then, okay, so when you got out to California, what were some of the gigs you did? Well, my first job, ironically, is, you know, I'm an, I have a big interest in vintage car magazines, so... Um, I have a whole bunch. I put them in boxes, and I brought them with me with the idea of doing swap meets. If money got tight, I could sell magazines. So the first thing I did, literally, when I got there, I timed it so that I would arrive on the uh, very early Sunday morning for the Long Beach Swap Meet, which happens every month at the McDonnell Douglas, right across from McDonnell Douglas, right there in Long Beach. So I arrived at, like, 3 a.m., slept in the car, and then by the end of the day, I'd sold, like, you know, 300 bucks worth of magazines, and I still had about 80% of my inventory. I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. So anyway, selling car magazines at Swap Meets is something I did uh, almost every week for about five years, but uh, got a gig at Chrysler Power Magazine writing stories and technical stuff for the amazing sum of 100 bucks a week, uh, and did that for three years, you know, so between the swaps and Chrysler Power, 
uh, I just sort of you know pieced together a living and had a you know an inexpensive apartment, and uh, I called the salad years, you know, but but it was good. You know? <laughs> so one you know one thing led to another, and uh, I did some stuff for Mopar Action Magazine, and they paid a little more, maybe you know two fifty for a story, which not bad, and then Superstock Magazine under the late great Stevie Collison, who some some listeners might remember his name. He was on staff at Carcraft, and you know really an icon. Um, anyway, he hired me for Superstock Magazine, which was then renamed Drag Racing Monthly to do some stories, and that caught the attention of uh, the editor of Hot Rod Magazine, a guy by the name of Roe McGonigal, who lives down in Florida right now, in fact. Great really? guy and a person I owe a lot to. He hired me on at Hot Rod, and I did that for eight years, so it was amazing. Wow. Okay, that's cool. And then there was a couple, you got on uh, Hot Rod Magazine TV shows there for a while, too, right? that were featured on Speed. You did a couple of uh, builds. Well, that's right. That's right. The thing with that was, um, you know, Hot Rod Magazine TV or Hot Rod TV used to be on TNN, and you'll remember, you know, Joe, um, uh, was it Joe Elmore and Hanson, uh, Chuck Hanson and Joe Elmore. There you oh, go. Okay. Good guys, you know, great guys. They did the show, but there was sort of a, you know, reorganization of everything, and uh, they brought the production of the show in-house, and they, they made a new mandate so that the show would have to reflect the magazine, because previously the Hot Rod TV and the magazine had nothing to do with each other. So they said, let's make the TV show drive newsstand sales. So they said, hey, you guys, on staff, of which I was one, you are now on the show. I said, great! <laughs> so I did Hot Rod TV, probably about 50 episodes, something like that, and um, for the most part, we'd bring the camera crew either to the junkyard in search of treasure, you know, a Ford 9-inch under that van with a traction lock, or maybe a 440 Mopar engine. Uh, we just, you know, show how you can go to the junkyard, bring your toolbox, and, and find all kinds of raw material for hot riding on the cheap. Uh, also did some drag racing stuff, and, uh, you know, built a Chevette uh, with a Cadillac 500 mm. under the front seat, which was the bad seat that appeared in, uh, I think it was the April 2000 issue, but we did some pieces with that on TV where we raced a bunch of other vets, Corvettes and blew them into the weeds and stuff like that. So we had a lot of fun with uh, Hot Rod TV, and, and uh, it's still on. I think uh, the guys from Overhaul and uh, Bud Brutzman is producing that now, but I'm, I'm no longer part of that. It's, you know, it's been 10 years. Mm-hmm. Well, then how did the, uh, the big break with uh, speed come about? Well, good good question. You know, it's funny when I was doing the Hot Rod TV stuff. Um, you know, you never know who's watching this, but apparently the you know people at Speed Channel recognize. Oh, okay, maybe we can use this guy for something. And sure enough, by the uh, work I'd done on Hot Rod TV, they asked me if I'd have an interest in doing uh, a Barrett Jackson show uh, in Florida back in 2005. And it's funny, you know, I'd, I'd seen the Barrett Jackson auctions, and uh, you know, sitting there on my my couch at home, saying, "Boy, that's kind of cool. Look at that car go by." And at times, the commentary on the vehicles wasn't maybe as sharp as it it might have been. I'll put it like that. And, you know, I'm thinking, boy, that's a Boss 429 Mustang that's up there. But the commentator would open the hood and say, that's quite a lump. And that's it. <laughs> you, know, he would, you know, he wouldn't discuss if it was the S or the T, the solid or the hydraulic cam, or if it had the magnesium or aluminum rocker covers. What is it? I want to know more. So anyway, little did I know, a year later, I'd be on the show. And uh, so I did sort of an audition one back in 2005. And um, yeah, since then, I've been doing it four times a year. And we just wrapped up Scottsdale a couple yeah. of days ago. Well, you're going to be in... Uh what, two months? You're going to be down here in West Palm Beach, right? That's right. Yeah, that's another good show. I think this one, it's funny, the, the first running of that, and as, as we all know, you know, Scottsdale used to be the one and only Barrett-Jackson auction mm-hmm. on an annual basis. And, of course, then they dipped their toe in Los Angeles briefly, uh, maybe 10 years ago. That didn't go great, but uh, dipped another toe into Florida, and we're going on, I think, year number five or six with the Florida show. Right. So, yeah, indeed, just a couple months away, we'll be down in Florida doing it again. So what is your what is your uh, I mean you have an all around background in with cars I mean just like you referenced you know the Boss Four Twenty Nine you know the fact that there's an S motor there's a T motor the S being the solid lifting motor the NASCAR uh, you know kind of style motor and the T motor being the hydraulic engine you know the later ones with the aluminum valve covers as opposed to magnesium and same thing with Hemi's obviously you're a Mopar guy so you know a lot about those I'm sure you know a lot about Chevrolets you know the Bowtie guys you know the LS fives LS sixes and you know L eighty nines L eighty ones L seventy nines and all that kind of stuff too so where did all that come about I have an excuse I grew up in the south well I didn't grow up but I was in the salvage yard business for thirty years so I eat sleep and ate slept and drank cars parts and junk so. What, what's your what's your excuse? <laughs> well, that's funny. I mean, oh, man, I, I love junkyards, and you must have seen so much great stuff pass through. Oh, yeah. And uh, man, I envy that. That's an amazing thing. But but for me, it, it kind of came down to. Um 
early on just finding a stack of Superstock magazines, you know. Uh, I was probably, it was 1974 or something like that, some 10, 11, 12, whatever. And, you know, the new car craft and hot rod magazines were okay, but vans, dune buggies, and CB radios were kind of the big topics. You remember, mm-hmm. you know, the van craze oh, yeah. and stuff. Nothing against vans. It's okay, but, boy, it wasn't hot rod magazine. You know, no. I didn't think it was very, you know. So, anyway, I found this stack of uh, old 50s and 60s magazines, and that basically just lit my interest primarily um, as, the, you know, the, the Detroit horsepower race of the 50s evolved into the early Superstock vehicles of 6123, which then evolved into the AFX cars, which then evolved into flip-top funny cars by 66 and 7. And my brain just soaked that stuff up. Meanwhile, production cars were growing from strength to strength. You know, uh, McCulloch-blown 57 Ford grows into, uh, you know, 406 Tri-Power, grows into a 427, and the GTO comes along, the 442, the whole muscle car movement. So I became a student of that stuff um, in hindsight through that stack of car magazines. And then, of course, that blossomed into just reading anything I could find about them and, and going to car shows and, yeah, becoming a pest to a few local people around here who had some rare cars I'd show up and uh, pretty much wouldn't leave until they told me about the car. <laughs> and, you know, just becoming a sponge. That's kind of that's kind of what I did. You know, now, I now, what are some of the projects? Let's digress for a second. You got a, do you have a website? That you, did you know, I, I don't. Nothing, okay. is nothing directly in my name. But uh, there's a thing called AFXer.com, which is sort of the thing that I've been attached to when I go on the air, okay. uh, and that's basically um, a couple of guys from Connecticut who have a, an altered wheelbase Plymouth, the Flashback, and I've got an altered wheelbase Chevy Nova, the Wilshire Shaker, and we do an occasional uh, best two out of three match race here on the East Coast, you know, Lebanon Valley, we'll run them or something like that, but um, so that's pretty much where I uh, have a web presence, you know, I do a lot of writing you know, online for like Mopar Max and stuff like that, but uh, um, I don't know if, does that answer the question? I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 that's that's good. I mean, and what are some of the other projects you're working on right now? I mean, I, th- I know you're doing that Fairmont, so tell us a little bit about the Fairmont. Oh, sure. Well, you know, the, the funny thing is, you know, altered wheelbase cars, as, as we know, came along in 1965 as Chrysler created a small fleet of, of vehicles for AFX competition. And the rule book didn't say you had to have um, the wheels in the stock place. You just had to have a standard wheelbase. There's some technicality that got around it. And so basically the idea was to move the wheels forward, get more mass on the tires so that when the light turns green and the driver smashes the gas, you get more weight transfer and traction. So whatever is in the other lane will be spinning while you're hooking and booking. So the whole funny car thing just caught my eye. And, of course, you know, the altered wheelbase effect transforms anything into an animal. It just looks great. So I've got a 63 Dart, the Rampage, and, of course, a 63 Nova, the Wilshire Shaker, which, you know, will look pretty good with funny car treatment. So I thought, hey, I want to do a Ford. But, you know, I mean, a 2 plus 2 Mustang we talked about earlier, kind of a pricey car. So I said, how about we take the AFX altered wheelbase thing and apply it to a newer car? So I found an 81 Ford Fairmont two-door post, hmm. not, a, not, a, not a Z7 or, you know, but the... Um, a Zephyr, yeah. Futura, there we go. Future, right. That funny roof band. But it's actually a pose. Kind of a hard thing to find. Altered the front and rear wheels, moved them forward 10 inches or so in the back, and then I think I got six in the front. And then for the engine, which is, you know, the heart of the car, I say is the engine, really, and it kind of sets the tone. Uh, I bought a uh, Ford Racing Mach 1 4.6 four-valve motor. Uh, it's, an, it's really a great-looking engine. It's sort of a, uh, you might call it a descendant of the original 427 camera motor. So I combined that, eight-stack injection, and we have now probably the world's first and probably last altered wheelbase <laughs> Ford Fairmont. And uh, it'll be running in another month or so. So uh, I got the yeah, three funny cars. Wow. Now, AFX, A slash FX, is really altered. FX really stood for what? Experimental? That's correct. Yeah, factory experimental. Factory in 1961 film. was the first year for it. People always think that it was, you know, 64-5. But actually, what, what it was was uh, NHRA really wanted to court Detroit interest and involvement in drag racing. So, of course, the super stock classes were, were among the first areas. But there were certain things that I think maybe Detroit wanted to try out that they did not want to build 500 or 1,000 minimum production units. So the NHRA came up with the factory experimental, which was for vehicle and engine combinations that were from a manufacturer but not necessarily available together on the assembly line. So that's where we get things like the Mickey Thompson's uh, 62 uh, 421-powered Tempest. And, of course, that begat in 63 a run of factory-built 421 Tempest, which are incredibly rare and valuable cars now. But, um, but the FX... Uh, again, factory experimental, and A was the uh, the predominant category, but there was also a BFX for small block cars, oh, right, and yeah. CFX for even you know 
less powerful but unusual vehicle combinations. But AFX was kind of the one that all the spotlights were shining on and where all those amazing factory vehicles came out of overhead cam Mustangs, you know, the altered wheelbase Mopars. And uh, until GM pulled out of racing in 63, they were on their way towards some really amazing stuff. The Z11 Impala being just the tip of an iceberg that might have been, you know, hemi-powered Chevys and stuff. But again, GM got out of it in March of 63. And we can only wonder what would have happened had GM stayed in the battle. It would have been amazing. Well, now, the, also on the FX cars, um, they were always lightweight cars, too. Then they usually have, they could have had, let's say, aluminum bumpers, fiberglass bumpers, aluminum uh, uh, fenders, hoods, uh, lightweight doors, you know, like it is in the case of Ford. You know, they had, like, on the T-bolts, for example, the Thunderbolts, they had, you know, the van seats, and they had plexiglass, plexiglass this, that, and the other thing. So that's all part of the FX cars, too, right? It's true, yeah, exotica, I guess just exotic stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and naturally, as we know, power-to-weight ratios are, uh, are crucial to acceleration. And the lighter a part is while still looking stock, the, the, the better it is for racing. So that was the allure of it, really, these exotic things, magnesium, you know, uh, oil pump housings, titanium K-frames, and, of course, aluminum doors, plastic bumpers. I mean, what use, you know, what good is a plastic bumper, you know, oh, yeah, in absolutely. reality? But I love the idea that these things were all conjured up and installed on these little monsters to duke it out and, uh, you know, take the take the win and win on Sunday, sell on Monday, you know. And even though they weren't really available to you and me, we can make our replicas, can't we? That's what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Hey, in case you guys just tuned in, we are Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and my guest this evening is Steve Magnante from Speed and Barrett-Jackson. So, hey, while we're on the subject of Barrett, or while I mentioned Barrett-Jackson, tell us a little bit about some of the cars that you uh, kind of announced across the block, and how much preparation do you have to do, or does it just come second nature to you when you see these cars? And then how do you determine which cars you're going to talk about because you did a lot of coverage this weekend Indeed, that's a good point. Well, a primary, I'll, I'll try to handle it. Which cars get covered is a question of when we're on the air. Now, you know, okay. most viewers know that the we join the auction while it's still in when it's in it's in process. You know, and so what we do is we have a lot window. That means that we know that uh, say on you know Thursday we're on the air two hours into the 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 show or whatever it might be, and uh, perhaps we pull out before the show is over. So we know that we're on between a certain number of cars. So I prepare some notes for that time, and with the preparation of notes, what I what I do basically is uh, I get on computer and check out lot by lot what's going to be on deck. And that way, if I don't know you know, immediately about the car, I prepare something that is pertinent and correct, You know, like an Amphic car goes across the block. I had no idea there was 8,000 of those things made, and they're mostly sold here in the U.S., you know, that sort of thing. I'll, I'll cobble up that, that kind of information, and I write it down. And I, you'll see me on, on stage with a little notepad, and uh, some people say, how can you know all of that? And I answer them immediately. I don't. Nobody <laughs> could know that. You know, you got to prepare. And I tell people, you know, certainly the cars deserve better than, you know, than loose guessing on stage. It just infuriates, you know, the, the, the viewers who shake their fists and punch the air when, you know, a guy talks about a, you know, 1949 Corvette or something silly. You know what I mean? It can happen. You know, mm-hmm. you don't want to be talking silly. So you, you prepare a little bit. And it takes me yeah, almost an hour of preparation for every hour on the, on the air. And that's about 40 hours. So my wife knows to sort of just leave me alone for the week before the auction because I'm busy making my notes. And the crazy thing is, you know, there's a lot of commercial breaks and, uh, you know, we've got to pay the bills somehow, I guess. So about 40% of what I, I make in notes doesn't get used, but you have no idea when the commercial breaks are going to happen. So you've got to prepare for everything. So that's what I do. Now, so, on, on the cars, when you get, when Bear Jackson just before it takes place, do you get there a day or two ahead of time and uh, and and walk the field, so to speak, walk the lot, and actually put a pair of eyeballs on the cars? You know, I mean, that's that's not really a priority. Strangely enough, uh, really? we do get there about three, four days earlier. Uh, you know, production meetings, rehearsals, just make sure everything's functional because you don't want to have a problem when you get there and realize you have no time to fix it. But uh, we do get there early. But I go into the tents and stuff. But for the most part, I'm already familiar with the cars because I've seen them all by studying the docket on the BarrettJackson.com uh, website. You know, and it gets very, very detailed. And uh, anybody who wants to go to the auction without actually being there, just go on their on their website and run through the uh, the car list day to day. And if you click on on the vehicle, it'll open up another page with uh, engine shots, chassis shots, and full information. So it's pretty good. So by the time I get there, I've kind of already seen the cars, ironically, you know. So, uh, But it's a wonder, though. You know, you, you see the cars in person, and they're usually nicer than they looked in in, uh, in the portfolio. So, uh, so yeah, we, it's, it's a thrill to wander the show and check them out. Now, you're on stage. Mike Joy's on stage. And uh, who else is on there with you? Matt Stone, is he there? Or? 
Yeah, Matt Stone and uh, and Bob Varsha are in the booth, so to okay. speak. And they sort of, uh, you know, they enter us back into the show, and they, they give a few comments on, on whatever it is. And they say, hey, how's it look down there, guys? So then they throw it to us on stage, and Mike Joy and I will back and forth. There's also Rick DeBrule, who does some color commentary out in the staging lanes. He also handles the Haggerty Fantasy bid stuff. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, we had uh, um, Ralph Shahan. I think I say his name right, but he's from the Shane. World of Speed Motocross right. uh, telecasts. And he really came on and, and, and really was very helpful in describing the motorcycles, which I, I must admit, I'm not well-versed in motorcycles. You'll see that on the show. I get pretty quiet when a bike goes across, because I don't know. You know, the last thing I want to do is say something dumb, and I've done that, believe me. <laughs> but uh, So Ralph was on deck, and of course, April Rose, the wonderful April Rose from Maxim, and uh, she was uh, a new addition, and the idea there being to you know attract some uh, some more male viewers, oh, yeah. very easily done when she's around. And uh, what else? We have... Um, Oh, Justin Bell. Justin Bell, indeed. Okay. He's out there, too, doing color commentary with April. And it's a good team. You know, we, we sort of just play good tennis, bouncing the bouncing the, the work between us all. And uh, it's a lot of fun to do. Okay. Hey, did you do the blindfold thing this year? I, I didn't catch that if you did or not. Did not. Yeah, that, that's feel the steel. And, uh, okay. you know, that that's very real. Some folks say, there's no way. But what I'll say is, it, it for an, in a nutshell, for people who have not seen it, it's a thing where I'm blindfolded, or, or we have a... It's been me primarily, but uh, usually we'll take random people, blindfold them, and then we bring them to a car, put their hand on either the A-pillar or the hood, whichever it is, and then say, go. And we ask them to, while blindfolded, feel their way around the car, telling year, make, and model best they can. And uh, ironically enough, most people can do it. And I, I, you know, I can do it pretty well. Um, But it comes down to, I'd say, feel the hood first, because, you know, if you've seen a Pontiac GTO hood scoop, and you feel it, you'll know what it is. And then Uh-oh. you move to the headlamps, and you build the clues in your head, and then, okay, it's a, and you fill in the blank. And So that's very real. We didn't do Feel the Steel, but it probably will come back for Florida, which is a more leisurely-paced program. Uh, the Scott Steel Show, there's just so many things you've got to cram in. There was no place for Feel the Steel, but, uh, but it's, it's been well-received. Okay, well, now I'm going to challenge you, okay? So keep that in mind, because when I see you down at, at uh, West Palm Beach, um, you know, I'm going to go head-to-head with you on that one, because, you know, with That'd all be- my junkyard spares, I think we could have fun with that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the funny thing is, you know, I mean, it's funny. I mean, most people, you know, if you if you close your eyes and then put your hands on a Volkswagen Bug and then a 427 Corvette or, you know, anything, you'll know. I mean, oh, yeah. most people can do that. I mean, it's funny because your, your mind's eye is an amazing thing. And, and uh, you know, trans, the transition from touching and feeling a thing to uh, knowing what it looks like is not that far. Mm-hmm. Most people don't tap into it, but you can. It's easy. You know, I'll say it's, I mean, it is easy. <laughs> I would say that your pony cars, your intermediate cars, you could probably figure out pretty quick. I think some people might find a little bit uh, more of a challenge would be the uh, full-size cars because there's a lot of those are a little bit different because there's not the defined you know body lines the hood scoops and stuff like that and then of course i think if you get in the 50s cars you know the early 50s cars that might uh present a challenge for some people but yeah you'd have to be fully aware of them like you know a frazier or something like that might might throw me a curve i might stand it was a playmate or a 49 ford you know what i mean it's true you're right you get into the 20s i'll oh, forget it I, you know i'm useless anything from 85 up also i mean excluding oh, yeah. the, the, the usual characters but you know the, the lexuses the, the infinities i would be lost i don't know anything about them because i don't look at them enough you know right so that's the thing you know hey now you got a couple CDs out. Tell us a little bit about your CDs. Well, I do. They're, they're DVDs. I'm oh, not DVDs. A singer, but, okay. but, yeah, but they're DVDs. Uh, they're both, they have to do with altered wheelbase funny cars. Uh, one of them is... Um, Essentially, a 90-minute how-to-build altered wheelbase funny cars. You can find that on uh, thefunnycarfarm.com website. Uh, and basically, we take a 63 Dodge Dart and transform it from a standard six-cylinder car into an altered wheelbase straight-axle uh, funny car or gasser-type vehicle. Uh, the other one is uh, Match Bash Madness, and that was produced here in, in Massachusetts. And that basically just takes the uh, the car that was built in the first DVD and puts it on the street, along with a bunch of other funny cars, and even a Hemi Dart, and we just sort of uh, use them on the street and have a two out of three match race on the strip, and also give a review of how they were all built, and, and that one's available on AFXer.com. But, uh, but yeah, people seem to enjoy them, and uh, folks from all walks of life, all age groups, are beginning to realize that, you know, gassers and, and you know, nostalgia funny cars and stuff are very cool, and it was a look that came and went too quickly, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they were dangerous, let's face it, trying to go 180 miles an hour in something that's three feet off the ground. You know, most cars become really lousy airplanes after about 150 <laughs> miles per hour. You know, a lot of guys paid with their lives, frankly. So, you know, we don't really try to go that fast. But to capture the look and go, you know, a high 10 in one of these things, it's a thrill. And everywhere you go with them, even the Fairmont, believe it or not, the Alter Wheelbase, people look at it and they just, it, they, they just command attention. So, uh, AFX and Alter Wheelbase cars and gassers are, to me, uh, one of the biggest areas of, uh, of renewed interest in, in hot rodding right now. 
Well, it's super. Hey, Steve, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, you've been a great guest. This was a great interview. I, I think my listeners really, really, really enjoyed this. And uh, I will definitely see you down there in West Palm Beach. Now, would you be willing to come on the show again? And uh, we can talk about some uh, really cool car stuff. And we can get in a little bit more stuff because I wanted to kind of get your feel for, you know, what you think, uh, you know, the, the auction experiences, you know, things like that, that people should participate in some of those. They definitely need to go to Scottsdale, if not. You know, definitely check out the uh, Palm Beach auction and some of the other auctions. And, of course, obviously the shows and stuff that, that, uh, that all go on during that period of time. And uh, But anyway, uh, would you definitely come on again? Oh, absolutely. It's, okay, it's cool been beans. fun. And you know, anything to spread the word on, on just fun cars, I'm, I'm all for it. I'd be happy to do it, Robert. No all sweat. Right. <laughs> all right, super. Well, anyway, I want to thank my guest this evening with Steve Magnante from Speed. Uh, you see him on uh, Bear Jackson Show. And, uh, Steve, I will definitely see you here uh, probably in two months or so. But don't hang up the phone. I want to talk to you right after the show real quick here. In the meantime, I want to tell everybody, stay tuned to Nostalgic Radiant Cars. Next week, 7 o'clock, i got another great guest coming on. I might even have somebody sitting in with me. In the meantime, everybody, drive carefully. Stay safe. Love your family. And we'll catch you next week. And be sure to go to the Mika Auction this weekend and the Devereaux Kaiser Show in Sarasota. I want to see all you guys there. And I'll be wandering around with camera and audio equipment. All right? Until then, guys, we'll see you next week. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I'd like to tell you about a great pizza shop right here in downtown Clearwater, Bro's Pizzeria, voted number one in the city of Clearwater. They're located at 547 South Fort Harrison Avenue. They have great New York-style pizza, as well as delicious lasagna, spaghetti and meatballs, manicotti, linguine. And if you're in the neighborhood for lunch, they have great hot and cold sandwiches and appetizers. So call 727-441-6025 for takeout and deliveries, or stop by for a veal parmesan dinner and a nice glass of vino. That's Bro's Pizzeria. Check out their website and watch my friend Olti create a spectacular pizza before your very eyes. What would you like on your pizza? Call Bro's Pizzeria, 727-441-6025. That's 727-441-6025. And tell them Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. As most of you know, I'm in the car business, and often I need cars towed. Well, Kotaka's Towing has all the trucks and equipment to meet your needs. Whether it's long distance, short distance, or just around the corner, they can get it done. Kotaka's Towing, located at 1141 Court Street in Clearwater. Also, they have a full-service repair and body shop to meet all your automotive needs. So give my friends Lefty and Joey a call at Kotaka's Towing at 727-447-1952. And be sure and mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you might get a discount. KAN, Clearwater, Tampa Bay, WDCF, Dade City, Tampa Bay, KLRG, Sheridan, Little Rock, and FM 94.5, K233BF, Little Rock.